This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Lot to discuss. Last week, unable to record a podcast, getting some work done at my house. Just wasn't conducive to getting a podcast done, but I'm back this week. So much to talk about since I was last on air. So let's just jump right into it. Let's hit on a couple things. Uh, College football playoff is set. We got Michigan versus Alabama. Uh, We got Texas versus Washington. I think they're two really intriguing matchups looking forward. I think both of them can go either way, to be honest with you. I think the big thing, as somebody who follows Florida State closely, I think they should be in the mix. I think they should have been there. My issue is, are they the best, one of the best four teams in the country right now? No, probably not. But you have to go on most deserving, whether that's the way it's written in the protocols. They were an undefeated team in the ACC. And just because they lost their quarterback, they should not have lost the right to be in that playoff mix. They should have been in it. If they weren't going to be in it, then what the committee should have done was the previous week, before the ACC championship game, they should have dropped them back. That's my biggest complaint. Because they set them up and put it put it in motion that they were going to be there if they won the game. And then they win the ACC championship and they get leapfrogged by two teams that were behind them with one loss in Texas and in Alabama. And that's my issue because nothing that happened in that last week of the season should have catapulted, especially Texas. Alabama, you can make the case, okay, they knocked off Georgia. But nothing that Texas did in that last game to win the Big 12 championship was any more impressive than what Florida State did in beating Louisville for the ACC championship. And that's where my issue was. If you knew you weren't going to send Florida State to the playoff because of the Jordan Travis injury, which I think is ridiculous, they have an elite defense, they should have dropped down from the week before and that it wouldn't have been as big a storyline because if the week before they had put Texas ahead of them, they had put Alabama ahead of them, it would have set the motion, especially for Texas, that that final week would not, they, they wouldn't have seen themselves win and get catapult. <laughs> but the way they did it, they had it set up that it's. it appeared that if Florida State won that game, they were going to the playoffs. So that's my biggest gripe with how this happened. I do think it sets up better for, for more competitive games, but, I, but that's besides the point. Florida State should have been there. With that said, let's move past that. Jaden Daniels, Heisman Trophy winner, very deserving for Jaden Daniels. Talk a little bit about more about him momentarily. But I thought they got it right there in terms of the Heisman. Bowl season set the kickoff underway. A lot of intriguing matchups. But I think the most interesting going going on going thing thing going on in college football right now 
is without a doubt the transfer portal. So many prospects that were expected to go into the NFL draft, be a part of the 2024 NFL draft, are using another year of eligibility, transferring as a graduate transfer, taking that COVID year, and the quarterback class in particular, we are seeing tremendous amounts of movement at the quarterback position in the transfer portal on guys that were maybe going to be day three prospects this year. And now it's setting the stage for none of those guys coming out. And a lot of those guys looking to transfer somewhere, have a big season next year, and then maybe catapult themselves a little bit higher up in the draft mix for the 2025 NFL draft. So let's just talk about a little bit about the transfer portal because I do think it's it, it's pretty it's it's pretty important right now at the quarterback position. These, these are the things we know right now: Riley Leonard transferring from Duke to Notre Dame. I think this is a big big move for Riley Leonard. He he came into this year as a guy who a lot of reputable draft analysts had as a day two prospect, maybe a round two type guy. I kind of had him in that mix. Uh, I wanted to see him put together a little bit better of a statistical year, but knew that maybe in Duke that was going to be a little bit hard. But now he goes to Notre Dame. He's going to get every chance to be the guy in Notre Dame. They're going back to the transfer mix this year with Sam Hartman. You know, they go back to the ACC. Now they get Riley Leonard. If he has a really good year last year, there's a lot of people that like Riley Leonard's game, like the the size, the frame, the athleticism. Uh, So Riley Leonard going there, I think, is the quarterback that could see him basically bring his stock back to where it was at its highest, which was a early second-round pick, with some people even thinking maybe he could push his way into round one. I think right now, if he declared, we're talking about without a doubt, a debris guy. So I think the move to Notre Dame is an intriguing one for Riley Leonard to see if he can get himself back in that day two mix. Obviously, the stage, a lot of big games he'll play next year for Notre Dame. The talent upgrade around him between skill players, offensive linemen, will give Riley Leonard as good of a chance as ever as maybe improving his draft stock than if he would have stayed uh, at Duke another year, or if he would have just declared and came out and been a day three pick. Another quarterback prospect, Tyler Van Dyke, transferring from Miami to Wisconsin. Now, this is a really interesting one, because if you rewind the clock about two years, there's a lot of people who had Tyler Van Dyke as a first-round 2023 NFL quarterback prospect. The rails kind of went off the season that year for him. Obviously, he didn't declare. He came back. Even when this year started, I think he was considered more of like a day three caliber player. But then he had a little bit of a stretch in the middle of the year where you started seeing him creeping up draft boards a little bit. And I talked about him on the the podcast a little bit as, as a guy that maybe could have pushed himself back into the day two mix because of his talent, his size, his frame, his arm talent. And then... We saw some of those inconsistencies pop back up. He got benched. So now he's going to take your shot there at Wisconsin. And the type of offense that Wisconsin has kind of morphed into this past year, can he be the guy now that leads that Wisconsin 
offense next year, right? Braylon Allen going to the NFL, much more pass-oriented offense than historically what we're used to with Wisconsin. Van Dyke's going to get every opportunity there to be the guy. And can he, these guys that have once upon a time been looked at as round one caliber prospects, you know, I think there's enough people that were fans of their game that if they go somewhere and start producing again, they kind of see their dress stock catapult back up. So I think Tyler Van Dyke and Riley Leonard are far and away two of the more intriguing ones. A couple other ones that have already announced before we get to the guys who are in the portal, but we don't know where they're going to play yet. Grayson McCall heading from Coastal Carolina to NC State. Grayson McCall is a guy that for the last couple years now, we've heard about teams being intrigued with him. It was before going into last season, not this upcoming season. There were some people that really thought Grayson McCall could be like a round three, round four prospect. He was in that mix with like Aiden O'Connell going into two college football seasons ago. And then the last two years at Coastal Carolina just haven't been as haven't lived up to the expectations. And rather than come out and be a late date three pick or, you know, a priority free agent, he's transferring to NC State, gonna get an opportunity against better competition to see if he could improve his draft stock. McCall's one of those guys. He's a weapon with his legs, uh good accuracy. I think there's some limitations in terms of the arm talent, but McCall's gonna get an opportunity there at NC State to be the guy. This one's going to be an intriguing one, too. Bo Nix is heading out of Oregon, obviously, into the NFL draft. Dylan Gabriel transfers from Oklahoma to Oregon. That's going to put him in the spotlight. Better team. I mean, Oklahoma's a good team, but Oregon's better. Uh, He's going to get every opportunity to put up really gaudy stats. He's now going to show that he can do it potentially in a second location. I always thought Dylan Gabriel was was about a day-free caliber prospect. You know, we've seen Bo Nix go from Auburn to Oregon and totally rejuvenate his draft stock. We'll see about Gabriel. I, I think his talent is a, is a day three guy. But if he goes to Oregon, if he keeps him in the national title mix, he plays really, really well, catalyst of that offense, I could see Dylan Gabriel maybe pushing his way into that day two mix as well. So those are the guys that have made their determination and have made their decision whole bunch more in the portal who I think are going to be really interesting where they end up. Far and away, the one that I think could have the highest draft stock would be Cameron Ward, heading out of Washington State after being there for a couple years. Some possible locations, we've heard Florida State, we've heard Ohio State, a couple other teams in the mix. I think Cameron Ward, we've seen him put up really gaudy statistics he already has went through the transfer portal process once that got him to Washington State. I think Ward's a big one. If he ends up at Florida State replacing Jordan Travis, if he ends up at Ohio State or a couple other pristine locations, I think you could see Cameron Ward definitely increase his draft stock. I thought he was a day three caliber guy right now. So if he could perform well next year in a big time spot, much bigger than Washington State, we could see him catapult his draft stock into the day two mix for sure, especially in, in what will be a weaker quarterback class considerably compared to what we're working with with the 2024 NFL draft. DJ Ulangale, right? Obviously big former, big time recruit at Clemson. We thought he was going to be a former superstar. Didn't pan out at Clemson. Transfers to Oregon State. He had a bounce back year this year. I thought he was going to kind of catapult it maybe to be a 
you know, round four to round six type prospect this year, but he's decided to use another year of eligibility. He's, we'll see where he ends up. If Florida State doesn't get Cameron Ward, I think there's a real possibility DJ Ulangale goes back to the ACC. That would be kind of interesting. But Ulangale had a much better year this year than what we saw at his time at the end of Clemson. So I think Ulangale is a guy who has that size, has that frame, has that rushing ability, especially a good red zone runner, tough physical runner at his size and frame, but showed more consistency passing this year. That I think it'll be interesting to kind of see where Ulangale ends up. This was the guy that once upon a time we all thought was going to be a round one guy. So can he work his way into the mix and get back into that day two draft capital where I think right now probably sits if he would have came out as a day three type guy. And then Kyle McCord out of Ohio State. I think it's surprising that he's transferring, but we'll see where he ends up. Obviously, you know, Ohio State not going into the playoff, but they still had a very successful year, right? That Michigan game, you know, dictated their season. But McCord is a guy who I think in the right location could be a guy who is in the day two mix as well. And then Dante Moore obviously was not draft eligible. The sensational quarterback recruit uh, leaving UCLA and and brought himself back into the mix. Uh, We'll see the ramifications of where he ends up. I was mostly focusing on draft eligible guys, but Dante Moore obviously a major name that had to at least be brought to the forefront here. So a lot of moving parts there in terms of the quarterbacks and the transfer portal. It's not the only skill position, though, that things are kind of shaking and moving a little bit. Uh, at the running back position, two big running back names on the move. Uh, one has announced their attentions, uh, Rocket Sanders, Raheem Sanders, who when the year starter was in my top five running back ranks for the 2024 NFL Draft. He's going from Arkansas to South Carolina. I think that's an interesting move for him. He's a guy who people like Braylon Allen a lot. I thought Raheem Sanders was right there with him in the mix to be a guy who could be a top five, top six running back in this draft class. Obviously big size, big frame. I like the straight line explosiveness. So we get an opportunity to kind of see how he puts it together, transferring to South Carolina. Uh, So he's the biggest running back in the transfer portal right now. The second one is Trevor Trevor Ethian leaving Florida. Let's see where he ends up. I expect a lot of the big programs to be in the mix for Trevor Ethian. Uh, A lot of teams, you know, Florida State's going to probably lose Trey Benson and, you know, Wisconsin losing Braylon Allen and and lots of other good players. Uh, It'll be interesting to see where Ethian ends up. My guess is he kind of walks himself into a pretty significant role somewhere. Uh, So that's one that I'll be following closely. And at the wide receiver position, uh, Juice Wells uh, obviously thought he was going to come out in this draft class, suffered a season-ending injury. Uh, He's decided to leave South Carolina, throw himself into the transfer portal. He's a big-time difference maker. That The ramifications of where he ends up, I think, are going to be significant. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see where Juice Wells uh, lands for the next college football season. Guys who have not entered the transfer portal but have announced their intentions to go into the 2024 NFL Draft, the major names at the skill position so far, uh, Drake May out of UNC, 
officially declared that he's coming out. Braylon Allen, running back out of Wisconsin. Uh, Frank Gore Jr. out of Southern Miss, running back. Marshawn Lloyd, running back out of USC. Tight end Ben Sinnott out of Kansas State. And wide receiver Johnny Wilson out of Florida State. Obviously, the big name there is Drake May. I mean, right there in the mix to be a top five overall pick. I think Braylon Allen will probably be a day two running back. He'll be in the mix to be one of the first four to five running backs taken. Uh, Frank Gore, Marshawn Lloyd, they're probably somewhere on day three in the round four to round six range. Ben Sinnott, one of the more talented tight ends in the class, probably a round three tight end, uh, but one of the more talented tight ends in the in the upcoming class. And then Johnny Wilson, I don't think he's going to be in the round one or round, early round two mix, but I think more of a round three, round four guy, you'll see Johnny Wilson out of Florida State. So those are some guys that have declared. Obviously, we're waiting on major names. Like, there's been rumors, like, you know, could, you know, NIL money keep Marvin Harrison Jr. in college? Same thing with Caleb Williams. I don't see that happening. But from what once upon a time was a 0% chance, is no longer a 0% chance because because of the NIL money, because of what they could potentially make. So so I think it's something to at least be monitoring where it used to just be automatic for these really talented guys who are going to be top 5, top 10, top 15 picks. I now think it's questionable and at least worth the discussion when you hear you know rumors out there that maybe Marvin Harrison will go back for one more year and he can get up $20 million a year in NIL money. You know, that can be almost... <laughs> almost 20 million dollars you know that could be a huge chunk of his rookie contract and he can make that just in one year and then take out like insurance and suffer covering potential losses if you know he suffered a you know catastrophic injury or something that significantly hurt his draft stock there's a there's a lot of moving parts so i do think it's interesting to at least discuss the possibility that these guys go back to school. Let's close out the NFL draft report with some updated rankings just at the top here for where we stand right now on guys who I think are going to come out. Okay, at the quarterback position, I keep flip-flopping. I watch some more games. I watch that. I'm back to Caleb Williams as my 1A, Drake May 1B. Uh, Jaden Daniels. After them, it's my third quarterback prospect, but do you want to call him number three, number two, if I have a 1A, 1B? To me, that's the tier that's going round one. I think those guys are all going top 10. I think Jane Daniels is in the mix to be a top five, top seven pick in the 2024 NFL draft. I have Michael Paddock at four, but I, I classify him as a guy who I think should be a round two caliber prospect. I have J.J. McCarthy at number five. I have Bo Nix at number six. And then I think Quinn Ewers is going back to school, but he would, if he's in the mix, that he'd be number seven. Like, I left Shadu Sanders off this list, who would be number four for me and worthy of a round one. But I don't think he's, I think it's pretty known that he's going back to school right now, continue to play there for his dad, and, and what Colorado is trying to build there. So this quarterback class is interesting because now you're talking about all those guys that we talked about before. <clears throat> All transferring. Tyler Van Dyke's not in the draft. Joe Milton's going back. Cameron Ward's go, staying in school. Riley Leonard's staying in school. DJ Longley staying in school. 
Rumor has it that Carson Beck might be going back. Potentially catapult himself into the round one mix next year. So all of a sudden you have these guys where you have those six guys that I talked about. And then you have guys like Jordan Travis and Spencer Rattler might be like QB7 and QB8 in this draft class. And, you know, because of so many other guys deciding to go back to school. So, you know, I think we're sitting at six. And then, like I said, I think Jordan Travis and Spencer Rattler would be seven, eight in some order. Uh, and then it's kind of like interesting to see then how the rest of the top 10 will play out because all the guys that we we, we thought would be in the mix are probably in that range are not going to be a part of this draft class. And also, you know, with Shadu going back, uh, with it sounds like when Ewers going back, potentially Carson Beck going back, the back end of the top 10 quarterbacks, it, it, a little bit unknown at this point where I thought it would have easily been made up of those guys, the Becks. Uh, the, the Van Dykes, the Cameron Wards, the Riley Leonards, you know, those guys, but not so much anymore. At the running back position, obviously we know Raheem Sanders now added a mix. For me, it's still Trey Benson at number one, Blake Corm out of Michigan, number two, Trayvon Henderson at, of Ohio State, number three, but Braylon Allen of Wisconsin, number four, and Diamond Edwards of Michigan, number five. After that, Jonathan Brooks of Texas, Audrey, who's coming off a major injury now, and Audrey Esteem out of Notre Dame. Those are my seven guys. I think those are the guys that could be in the mix to go off the board on day two. I don't think we'll see more than four or five go on day two, and I think they probably will be somewhere between pick 50 and pick 100. I don't think we have a guy in the top 50 in this draft class. I'm not even sure we we weren't having anybody in the first two rounds. Uh, I'm sure one or two will sneak in the latter part of round two. Uh, but these running backs, I can make the case for Corum at one, Henderson at one, Braylon Allen at one. A lot of moving parts there. We'll see if Diamond Edwards even comes back or decides to stay there in Michigan with Blake Corum going to the NFL. I could see Edwards staying there and being the focal point of that run game uh, that kind of catapult him, him for next year maybe to be in the mix to be a round one or early round two guy. At the wide receiver position, this has kind of been locked in. Marvin Harrison, Ohio State at one. Malik Neighbors, LSU two. Keon Coleman of Florida State, three. Romo Dunze of Washington, four. Emeka Egbuka of Ohio State, five. Troy Franklin of Oregon, six. Brian Thomas Jr. of LSU, seven. Xavier Worthy of Texas, nine. Malachi, uh, sorry, Xavier Worthy of Texas, number eight. Malachi Corley of Western Kentucky, number nine. A.D. Mitchell of Texas at number 10. Devontae Walker, who just announced he's declaring for the NFL draft at 11. James Polk of Washington at 12. Ladd McConkey of Georgia at 13, followed by Jalen McMillan of Washington at 14, and J. Michael Sturdivant of UCLA at 15. I think the top 13, ending there with that Devontae Walker, James Polk, Ladd McConkey trio, I think those, I think all 13 guys are going in the first three rounds. I think that's locked and loaded. I'd I, I almost expect probably another one or two to sneak in. I could see us having about 15 wide receivers in the top 100 picks. I think we got a real shot at seven or eight in round one. I don't think it'll happen. I think five are locks if if Egbuka comes out. But I think Troy Franklin and Brian Thomas and Xavier Worthy are all in the mix. I could see any of them going in round one, if not the early portion of round two. I think we're going to have eight guys in the top 45 to 50 picks for sure. And then I think we'll see another six or seven, you know, somewhere between like pick 50 and pick 100. 
So I think it'll be a very heavy wide receiver top 100. I think the first round is loaded. I think we're going to see four in the top 15. I think we're going to see two in the top 10. That being Marvin Harrison and Malik Neighbors. And then Coleman and Romo Dunze won't be far behind. So star-studded wide receiver class. And that's coming off another year that last year's wide receiver class got pushed down and didn't go in the top 15. We had that rut with that stretch, right? Like 19, 20, 21, 22. But this wide receiver class of the past year is unbelievable. And they weren't even high-end talents coming out relative to what next year, what this upcoming year is going to be. Tight end position. Right now, we're looking at Brock Bowers at one. He'll be a top 10 pick. Davian Sanders at two out of Texas. Ben Sinnott, I mentioned him before, at Berea out of Kansas State. Kate Stover of Ohio State at number four. And Bryson Nesbitt of North Carolina at five. I think Bowers is the only one locked in for round one. But I think Jatavian Sanders somewhere in round two. And then Ben Sinnott, Kate Stover, and Bryson Nesbitt, I could see them going off the board somewhere in round three. We'll see if anybody else can sneak into day two last year. You know, Lou Shoemaker and Brenton Strange were two surprise round two picks. So I'm not going to sit here and say other guys can't can't surprise uh, and be in the day two mix at the tight end position. Teams are just looking for different types of players uh, to kind of fill out their tight end room. So you could see some other guys. I think five are worthy of going in the top 100. I think we'll probably see those five. Uh, and obviously we'll have Bowers in the top 10, top 15. And then I think the other guys are all day two guys. You'll see them spread out. Uh, from there as well. So there it is, guys. Updated ranks of guys who I think are going to declare. Discussion on some of the guys who announced their intentions to go into the NFL draft and a lot of talk about the transfer portal and the impact it's having, not only on college football, but on the 2024 NFL draft. Because I think a lot of people thought these quarterbacks were going to be the third, fourth tier of the quarterback position. And now a lot of these guys are not coming into the NFL draft uh, so it'll be interesting. We saw a lot of quarterbacks go day three last year, right? You know, Jay Kaner and Aiden O'Connell and Jerron Hole. Like, I think now that area of the 2024 NFL draft is lacking because I think you got the guys who are locked in the round one, the guys who are probably locked in the round two, and then a lot of uncertainty, you know, you know, with a guy like Jordan Travis coming off his injury, a guy like Spencer Rattler. But I think those are the guys that are probably now being that mix in that round four mix. Uh, to maybe take a flyer on like people did last year with so many guys uh, in that range. Let's spin this over to the NFL rookie report. Uh, you know, rookies, a lot's been happening in the NFL. You know, we're now well into, you know, we just finished up, what we, we got week 13. Uh, you know, so now we're talking about the home stretch of the of the NFL season. And we haven't done a rookie report in a couple weeks. Uh, so there was an interesting kind of time to check in on the rookies. Maybe a little stock up, stock down uh, in terms of where things stand. Um, and I'm sorry, this this is, we're already done week 14. So now we're talking, we're in week 15. Okay. Uh, so over the last two weeks, some things that stood out. Let's talk about the quarterback position first. Uh C.J. Stroud suffered an injury this past weekend. Sounds like a concussion. We'll see if he gets back in the mix. Uh, Bryce Young continues to struggle, but stock up on Will Levis and stock up on Tommy DeVito. I mean, there's a name that I did not expect to be talking about in terms of stock up in the NFL rookie report. Both of them played uh, on Monday Night Football this past weekend. 
Uh, Bolt had tremendous ends to the game. Will Levis bring his team back 14 points in the final couple minutes there to upset Miami. Tommy DeVito leading the Giants to a big win over Green Bay. Game-winning drive there. Obviously, you know, Will Levis is the one to talk about more than Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito will say. I mean, is it possible the Giants found a, a, a diamond in the rough and found their version of Brock Purdy or something? Yeah, but those the percentages is minute. But I'm not going to sit here and say it's not because I think we all thought the, the Brock Purdy thing was a fluke and, and then it wasn't until it wasn't, right? Until we realized it wasn't just a scheme and it wasn't just the playmakers and he had a lot of talent on his own. You know, Tommy DeVito's gotten better each and every week. Do I think it's going to lead to him being a starter or in any way fancy viable? No, not yet. Uh, but Will Levis is interesting because I, I, I watch Will Levis and we've only seen him for a couple weeks. And I see a guy who I think is going to be a high-end caliber quarterback. Uh, and I think Tennessee got lucky that they found their quarterback in round two when people had their questions on Will Levis. And now I think they're going to reap the benefits of this guy. Uh, the arm talent's there, the athletic ability to move around. Uh, and Will Levis is one of those guys who I think will find ways to overcome bad plays and overcome adversity, and he has a lot of self-confidence to trust his arm talent, to trust his ability to throw into tight windows, and I think that will serve him well at the NFL level. So stock up on Will Levis. Uh, If people are still questioning whether or not he could be a good NFL starting quarterback and, and in turn a good fantasy quarterback, I'd be intrigued to check in on that Will Levis owner to make sure that he's valuing him as a really good young up-and-coming quarterback. This isn't now some set, some day two pick that's not in the mix long-term. He was an early second-round pick, not a late-round three pick. I think Will Levis has got a real chance to be, you know, just as good, if not better, fantasy-wise than Bryce Young. And that's just this, the, real, the, the realization of the situation. Bryce Young has had a terrible year. I'm not ready to throw in the towel. I loved Bryce Young last year. But I don't think there should be some gaping difference between Will Levis and Bryce Young in Dynasty Leagues right now. I, draft stock, draft capital should be put out the window right now because we've what we've seen Will Levis do, and it's not like he's loaded with talented players around him. He's got the big dog there, Derrick Henry, and an older veteran wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. But, you know, he's doing a lot of it there. So stock up on Will Levis amazingly stock up on Aiden, uh, and Tommy DeVito, uh, stock down on Bryce Young right now, relatively speaking. Uh, and that's kind of where we sit at the quarterback position. You know, as we as we wait to see when we're going to uh, see C.J. Stroud again and see if he can carry Houston to the playoffs in his first year. If we take this over to the running back positions, kind of status quo on B. John and Jameer Gibbs, we know what they are. Uh, Devon A. Chain is back in the mix after his injury. You know, he hasn't had any monster weeks like early in the year. Uh, again, I told you repeatedly, these down weeks or these ho-hum average weeks, these would be the weeks that I'd aggressively, aggressively be making offers. First round rookie picks. Offer it for Devon A. Chain. See if you can get it. Far want him over any running back that's going to come out in the 2024 NFL draft. And in, in your rookie drafts. So if it's not like a top five to six rookie pick, I you make the trade offer to try to get Devin A. Chain on your team. Second, also make the offer for Ty J. Spears. Make sure he is being valued. He was not taken in round one of rookie drafts. Make sure he is being valued as a round one rookie pick. Because if he's not, and you could get him for a round one rookie pick, again, 
provided it's on the first half, where those elite wide receivers are going to be and quarterbacks, depending on the setting of the league. But if you told me you were trading 1.08 for Ty J Spears, I do it. 1.09, like that range, for sure I'm doing it. And I don't think it'll, I don't even know if it'll cost that much because he's still, Derrick Henry's still there. He's still under contract. There's still questions of whether or not Ty J Spears is going to get that opportunity. But I'd buy him. I'd buy Ty J Spears. I'd buy Devin A. Chain stock up. Uh, on Tajay Spears, and I look at it as a little bit of a buy low that A-Chain hasn't had one of those monster weeks since he's been back yet. Uh, stock down on Kendrick Miller. He just has not had a, he's had minimal opportunity, but we just haven't seen him seize that opportunity. Uh, stock up a little bit on Chase Brown. He's gotten some opportunities over the last week, and he's looked really good. I, I think Mixon will be back there next year, but I think Chase Brown could easily start working into his, uh, his load next year and be given an opportunity to be a significant factor of that Bengals offense. Uh, Keaton Mitchell stock up on the undrafted uh, rookie running back has had moments in Baltimore. He's looked really productive. I don't think Baltimore's going to go out and spend big money in free agency. I think they'll, I think they'll draft somebody, but we just talked about this draft class. It ain't a spectacular class. So they might take somebody on round three and they might say, okay, we'll let him and Keaton Mitchell kind of be the, the one two duo. And who's to say Keaton Mitchell can't have as significant of an impact as some other round three or round four rookie that Baltimore might select? Uh, stock down on Tank Bigsby. He's really, you know, fell out of favor there in Jacksonville as a, as a guy who was selected early in, in the in round three last year. Uh, so we'll see if he can kind of uh, find his way back. And then at the wide receiver position, Tank Dell unfortunately suffered a season-ending injury. Uh, so we won't see him anymore this year. Stock up on Rishi Rice. He's becoming Kansas City's clear go-to receiver and playing the most snaps. Stock up on Jaden Reed, who continues to be a significant factor. I think one of the most fascinating things is trying to rank these rookie wide receivers right now. Uh, I could sit down and and reshuffle my top six every time I do it. I could shuffle seven through ten every time I do it. Uh, But the top ten of the rookie wide receivers going into the offseason to me is very strong. For me right now, I have it as number one is Puka Nakua, number two is Zay Flowers, number three Jordan Addison, number four Tank Dell. I think you could rearrange that top four in a lot of different ways. Uh, but the year that Puka has, he's got to be number one. It's wild to say, but, but but he's proven that he belongs up there. And then to me, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, Tank Dell, you really can rearrange them any way you want. Uh, and then that pushes Jackson Smith and the Jigba to number five, and he just hasn't had as much of an opportunity as these other guys. But he was my number one wide receiver before the, the season started. But it just shows you how special and how deep of a class it is that these guys have played so well that it's pushed JSN down to number five on this list. Uh, and even Rishi Rice, maybe you could say maybe Warren's being over him. But Rishi Rice, I have him at number six. I think you can make the case that he's, his ceiling is as high as any of these guys as he continues to grow there and, and if he could become you know, Patrick Mahomes' go-to guy. You know, seven and eight is Jaden Reed and Josh Downs. Uh, I think both of those guys have like 90 catch upside and used in a variety of ways, inside-outside versatility for Jaden Reed. Uh, Josh Downs could just be a guy who just eats up catches and, and targets and looks in the slot. And then I have Jalen Hyatt at number nine. Anytime he's got an opportunity, he makes plays that the Giants start getting consistent quarterback play moving forward and consistent O-line play that gives a guy like Jalen Hyatt opportunity to win vertically. I like it. I also think he has shown more as a guy... Uh, in space that I think people gave him credit for. I think he's shown better route running than people gave him credit for. And I think he's shown an ability to win the catch point better. 
So I think there's a lot of things that Jalen Hyatt has shown. Obviously, the stats are not too gaudy. He had his first 100-yard game a couple weeks back. Uh, but Jalen Hyatt, I think, very talented guy. I want to get him on my team right now. And then Quinton Johnson. I Listen, I had my concerns about Quinton Johnson. I didn't think he could go this bad. But it's really bad that even though he has that round one draft capital, he'd be number 10 on my current wide receiver rookie rankings right now heading into week 15 of their rookie seasons. And then my top 12 went around that with Jonathan Mingo and Marvin Mims. Uh, we haven't seen a lot from those guys. Before we started looking at guys like Michael Wilson, Cedric Tillman, Demario Douglas, Charlie Jones, Tyler Scott, that would kind of go all the way down to 17. If we take this to the Dynasty Fantasy Report for the week, let's talk about some dynasty overall Dynasty rankings. Uh, at the quarterback position, I think, again, it's worthy of a conversation that if people aren't appropriately valuing Brock Purdy, make sure they are. Because I think now he's a guy who, yeah, he's not going to do a lot with his legs, but he's going to be a guy who's going to put up a gaudy statistical things. He's a QB1 in Dynasty, whether he's in that like 10 to 13 mix. He's got to be valued that way for sure. So make sure you're valuing Brock Purdy. Uh, I would say stock up on him. I still think the top of the quarterback ranks are Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, and Lamar Jackson. I think it gets a little bit interesting after that because Burrow suffered a season-ending injury. Justin Herbert has had a little bit of a shaky year this year, and there's going to be some big changes, I think, in, in Chargers there with the coaching staff and maybe the front office. Anthony Richardson played but only had glimpses of his greatness before his injury. Uh, you got T.J. Stroud. You got, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Tua, Justin Fields, Kyler Murray. You know, we don't know what Justin Fields' future holds. Uh, you know, Dak Prescott obviously having an MVP caliber season uh, to to catapult himself back into this mix. But that kind of is what the dynasty quarterback rankings look like overall. Top of the running back rankings, you know, I have it B. John Robinson, Brees Hall, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, and Saquon Barkley. I, I think Jameer Gibbs probably warrants catapulting you know, uh, even Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor. So as I think about this live on air here, I think I'd probably move Jameer Gibbs to number four, which would push Jonathan Taylor down to five, Saquon Barkley down to six, Travis Ethan down to seven. Uh, it gets real shaky in the in the running back ranks after after the top, you know, 11 guys or so. I still have Tony Pollard sitting there at 12, you know, Javante Williams at 13, James Cook at 14. I mean, these are guys that you don't feel great about them, uh, especially that high in your ranks. At the wide receiver position, I got Justin Jefferson, one, Jamar Chase, two, A.J. Brown, three, Tyree Kill, four, Amon Ross St. Brown, five, C.D. Lamb, six, Stefan Diggs, uh, seven, and then Garrett Wilson there at eight. It's kind of how the top of my wide receiver rankings in Dynasty go. Uh, and then at the tight end position, listen, there's, you can you can move this up a lot, up and down a lot. Uh, I still got Travis Kelsey at one. I still got Mark Andrews at two. I have TJ Hawkinson at three, followed by Sam Laporta at five, and then Kyle Pitts six. Uh, before, you know, we get into Dalton Kincaid and then Dallas Goddard and, you know, George Kittle and Trey McBride. If somebody wants to say they have Sam Laporta one, I, I don't think it's crazy right now. Uh, but I still think in the shorter span, Travis Kelsey for another year or two, the consistency that he puts forward. But listen, Laporta's got age on his side. Uh, great year. 
So if someone wants to put Laporta at one, I totally get it. I, I think right now I'll probably have him in that three-four spot, maybe after Kelsey and Andrews, but behind, but ahead of Hawkinson uh, and Pitts. I think that's where I'll keep him for right now. But I, I think I update this in another couple of weeks. Laporta, I might be ready to put Laporta at number one overall. So there it is, guys. Uh, NFL draft report mostly focused on the transfer portal declarations, uh, you know, and, and some updated rankings there where things stand. Uh, NFL rookie report just a stock up, stock down, and updated rookie rankings for the for the NFL rookies, and then a little bit of uh, dynasty rankings discussion, overall dynasty rankings discussion, some some ups and downs, and, and what the top of the ranks look there as well if you're enjoying the content please get over to website ss football fastest and easiest way to get there check out our premium content tab for 9.99 you get access to all of our premium notebooks you get the scouting notebook which has almost 100 detailed scouting reports for guys who are going to be uh, draft eligible who are and we'll split that up once we know who's officially declared and who's not uh you get the rankings notebook it has all our different rankings in there you'll love that uh, and then in April, you get the draft projections notebook, over 400 players in that, tabs for every position, offense and defense, snapshot of how they win, all their metrics, the combine numbers, uh, and then it's ranked in order in terms of everything we're hearing expected in terms of trying to predict how they're going to come off the board, plus a tab for projecting the first round, first three rounds, and then every pick in the NFL draft. Uh, if you never bought the premium notebooks, please check it out. Uh, we think you'll really appreciate it. All the sales that we get go right back into what we need to continue to do here uh, at Saturday to Sunday. If you can't purchase the premium notebooks, please at least get over to wherever you listen to the pod or watch it on YouTube and rate, review, subscribe. That helps us out tremendously as well. So on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday. <laughs>